Please turn in your Bibles to Genesis 3.1. Genesis 3.1 as we continue in our series, Living into Focus. And let's pray. Lord, we pray that you indeed would focus us through your word this morning on what is good and that you are good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Is that light really bright behind me? <laughs> well, let me just come over here for a little bit. Over the course of the last three months on sabbatical, one of the things that I decided might be good to do since I had some time was to maybe get in a little bit better cardiovascular condition. So uh, every day I tried to do something physical. And you know, I had to push through, I'm 52, I had to push through a lot of barriers, let me just put it that way, and uh, a lot of tenacity, a lot of prayer, but I was making progress and uh, the, the, the prime achievement physically of uh, the sabbatical was to be able to climb hike four miles up a mountain and in North Carolina and four miles back. So I, I got back and I was feeling pretty good and, hey, I'm going to continue this. And the very first Sunday I got back, I went up to say hey to Becky Brown. I turned around and I fell off those three steps before the first service and sprained my ankle terribly. Y'all didn't know because Brad Madden came and uh, helped me with some ice and uh, the physical therapist had surrounded me. Uh, but I had to take a break from the exercise, and finally, finally, it was time to get back out there. And you know, when you're taking a break, you kind of got to get back up for it, right? All right, so uh, I threw my bicycle on my bike rack, and I got out there. I've got a pump in my, my back seat, and I got there, and both, at 6.45, on the, right at the trail, both tires were flat. I was not happy. It's like everything is arrayed against me becoming more healthy. So I got my bike fixed, and uh, I picked it up on Friday, and Saturday I got out on the trail, new, newly tuned bicycle, not an impressive bicycle, by the way, newly tuned bicycle, new tires, and I uh, passed Alex Russell on the trail. He was running eight miles, and I was biking probably the same amount. But um, anyway, uh, and what I do when I walk or, or ride is, you know, I like to think and talk to God. I kind of like to do that alone, to be honest with you. I kind of figured that out. And um, so I was actually talking this sermon out. And you, have to, you have to see me kind of flying down this hill, and I'm saying, God, okay, you're good. Well, this is about the goodness of God today. You are good, and you put the first human beings in the Garden of Eden, and it's all good. And I said, Lord, and this is, it's just all good. And right as I said that, boom, the tire blew out again. I mean, right there and then, and I knew I was going to have to walk about a mile and a half back to the bike shop, and uh, when I finally kind of got back down to safety with my brakes, I want you to know the first thing that I said when that happened. Now, I did not curse, or I would not want you to know the first thing I said. I said immediately, doggone it, hope that's not cursing, this is not the Garden of Eden. <laughs> now, I didn't say it out loud, but I said it real loud. Uh, and you know what? It is not the Garden of Eden. It's not. And then as I was walking back, I thought to myself, you know, Joseph, 
There are people with a whole lot worse devastating blowouts in their life in the last week than your tire going out. You know one of the differences, big differences, between the Garden of Eden and Jackson, Mississippi? And by, by Jackson, I don't mean the city limits. I mean the greater Jackson area. It has to do with what God said about where he put men and what it was like to live in that place. Uh, that is not true of Jackson, Mississippi in the same way anymore. He said, his, by his word, he said, it is very good. But Jackson is not very good. I mean, I love Jackson. But it's not very good like, like God in his heart gave that original setting and that original situation. You know, crime's not very good, is it? And adultery is not very good. And divorce is not very good. And cheating people in business is not very good. And lawyers threatening people frivolously is not very good. And cancer is not very good, is it? And broken relationships and broken hearts are not very good. But God is good. And God wants to give us, this morning through His Word, what is good from the book of Genesis. I want to look at the original intention of the heart of God and demonstrate that that is exactly how He still is. I'd like to look at it from two different angles. First is the goodness of God. And we must restore an absolute belief in God's goodness. The goodness of God, and secondly, is the connection between the goodness of God and the Word of God. Living into focus is going to be a matter of living into focus on the goodness of God through the good Word that leads us to experience that goodness. So first, let's start out with the goodness of God. God is good in and of Himself. He is good, and all goodness that is ever experienced on this planet flows from Him. God is good, and God does good. God is good, and God is generous. He is, as the Puritans called him, the fountain of all goodness. Isn't that a beautiful kind of picture of God? He's the fountain of all goodness. The old theologians called God the summum bonum, or the highest good. In fact, the Saxon word, our English word that comes from, you know, Anglo-Saxon, comes from the old Saxon word for God. Do you know what the word for God means in Saxon? It means the good. Literally, in English, when you say God, the word God, you're, you're saying the good. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe God is good? Is God good? Psalm 34, 8, Taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who puts his trust in Him and, and in His goodness. Psalm 119.68, You are good, O Lord, and what you do is good. That's what God's Word says about His goodness. Meaning, He's not only good, but we can always count on Him being good. And good to us. I love what Charles Spurgeon, the, the great English pastor, said about this. He, he said, we must not tolerate unbelief in our hearts as to the goodness 
of the Lord. Listen to this. Whatever else may be questioned, this is absolutely certain that Yahweh is good. His ways of dealing with us may vary, but His nature is always the same. Yahweh is good. We experience hard things, different things, um, different slants on different things, interpreting different things in our lives, but Yahweh remains the same. He is good. We learn this in James 1.17. It's a pretty familiar passage to, to several people. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change and in whom there is no shifting of shadows. That's wonderful. We live in a fallen world. This ain't Eden. And it's not very good. But I want to tell you this morning, regardless of what you're going through, He is. There is no change in Him. No shadow of shifting. So first is simply the goodness of of God. Secondly, I, I want us to, to think about from Genesis the connection between the goodness of God and the Word of God, or what I'm calling the good Word. The connection between the goodness of God and the Word of God. And, and you know, in the human vocabulary is all kinds of use of the term goodness or good. We kind of instinctively understand that, that we were made for something better. That there is a good. And there is, that things are good or bad. Have you ever noticed that? That even people who say, there's no right or wrong, talk about good and bad. Oh, that's so good. It's like, what do you mean? You know, you just said there's no right or wrong. It just doesn't make sense. Well, it's because God did put them in a garden and it was very good. I, I, I'm thinking about the first time... I started thinking about what was the first time I ever heard a phrase, and I'll give you the phrase in a moment, that we hear all the time. And, and I thought back through, and I remember what I believe is the first time, at least it registered in my memory. Um, in, in this particular memory, I am in, I, this, is, this is, I'm about eight or ten years old. I don't know. I don't know the age. But I... Uh, my dad and I are in our, in our bass boat, and we are flying across Lake Seminole, which is a huge, beautiful lake right on the Georgia-Florida border. And we are flying across. It's, there's a, you know, there's a little bit of wind, but it's, you know, the boat's just kind of doing this kind of gently. And it's a sunny day, and we're, we're going out or, or back from, don't remember, the, the fishing hole. But here's, here's what I remember in my mind. I remember my dad being at the controls of the boat, uh, I remember the sun on his face. I remember kind of the wind kind of wafting the bangs of his hair, you know, and, and just caress, almost caressing him. And, and I remember him kind of leaning back in his chair and looking at me. And this is the words he said. He said, this is the good life, isn't it, son? That's what he said. It's the first time I remember really registering this idea of the good life. Now, that is used of all kinds of things. This is the good life. What is the good life? Maybe that would be a, a good way at getting at God's goodness. 
What is the good life? How do you define the good life? Deep in every one of our souls is a longing for the good life. I promise you. Because God actually gave one in a place called Eden. And it was very good. And it was very loving. And it was very, very much of provision, very much of generosity beyond compare. It's beautiful. You know, I just think back to that kind of Kodachrome moment in my life. Excuse me, Instagram moment in my life. The meaning of the Hebrew word for good, and God said it is good. God said it is very good. The word is, in English we would write it T-O-B, Tob. You know, like in um, Fitter on the Root where they keep saying Mazel Tov, that's kind of the, the derivative. Tov is the derivative of that. Tob is the word good. And, and I want you to know and I want you to think about God's goodness to us and His declaring His goodness when I tell you what good means, there are just several things that Tob means, and I want to put them all together for you. Tob means pleasant, delightful, delicious, sweet, savory. Tob means pure and clean. Tob means joy. I mean, you put that together delightful, delicious, beautiful, savory, pure and clean, joy. That's the Garden of Eden, isn't it? including the pure and clean, and the utter joy of of goodness of God who always wants to give what is good. So, God is all about giving Tob goodness to His creatures and particularly to those of us in relationship with Him through Christ. Um, And it all comes through God's Word. You know, if you think about it, uh, God's Word, you know, not, not just the Bible. Can, bear with me for a moment. How was the cosmos created? What does Genesis 1-1 say? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we get this refrain, don't we? And God said, right? And God said, let there be, and it was. And God said, let there be, and it was. The Word of God By His Word, He created the world. By His Word, He declared the world He created, including those made in His image, to be Tob and very good. And the place where they were to be be Tob and very good as He surveyed all that He made. And he, He said, it is very good. And then God, you see, took man and woman aside and He entrusted His Word to them. He entrusted His command God said, I want you to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. I want you to subdue the earth. It's all yours. I want you to worship and obey me. I mean, I want you to work it and keep it. No sweat, by the way. No toil. That comes after the fall. I want you to to, to take possession of all I've given you. Everything you see, every tree in the garden, eat as much as you like. Enjoy me. Enjoy. Be fruitful. Filled with my goodness. But do not eat of the tree in the middle of the garden. For in the day you will eat of it, you will surely die. And God's Word came to them not only to just cover them up with goodness, right? Do you see it? But to protect that goodness. To protect the ability to continue to receive it. Second nature. 
to just swim in that ocean with gills for God of that goodness, you see. It's beautiful. He gives clarity through His loving Word, His commands. As they say, it is all good. So in our text, let me ask you this question. How how did Satan tempt Eve? Verse three, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. How did he do it? By questioning God's Word. That's how he did it. The fall of mankind is rooted in this verse. Did God really say? And underneath that verse is the question, is God really that good? You understand? Let me help you understand from the text. Now, the serpent was more crafty, and it was a real serpent, and Satan was using the real serpent. The serpent was more crafty than the other beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree of the garden? There's a distortion. He said, You can eat of every tree in the garden, just not the one. Did God really say you can't eat any tree in the garden? Eve tells Satan, Eve preaches a sermon to Satan. Oh no, God is so good, basically. No, God said we can eat of every tree in the garden. As much as we like. No, no, God said there's only only one that we can't eat of. Verse 2, And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees, of all the trees of the garden, but God did say, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, Neither shall you touch it lest you die. Satan then contradicts God's Word. Calls God a liar and a cheat. Verse 4. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. That's not true. You will not surely die. For God knows. I'll tell you what God knows. That when you eat of this, your eyes will be opened. You just, you just don't even have your eyes all the way open yet. Your eyes, let me go back to the text. Verse 5, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing what is good and evil. So when this woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was a delight to her eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise of both good and evil, she took it and she ate it. And then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. May I just say, whoever tells you that the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was so much more appetizing than any of the other things that God made is not telling you the truth. No, actually, everything in that garden was beautiful There was nothing unappetizing. Let me tell you what the text says. She saw it and it was edible. She realized it was good for food. It's not like there's this one piece of fruit in the garden that I just salivate about every day. No, 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 no. God is good. God gave all that was good. And usually when we walk away from God and His goodness and His provision and His commands, we are walking away to something that is not as good. Not as good as a is a an understated way of talking about what happened here. 
Because Satan is saying to Eve, God is trying to keep things from you. You think God's good. There's all kinds of things that if you would just take charge and go and get them, you would have them. See, you don't even know all the, all the good that you could have. You see, God, he's, he's kind of keeping you down. God knows that if you eat this tree, you're going to be like him. And you're going to see the whole playing field. And you're not going to be denied anymore all that God will not give you right now. She ate it. And she gave it to Adam and death entered. And we read in verse 7, Then the eyes of both of them were opened. But folks, it wasn't good. The eyes of both of them were opened, verse 7, And they suddenly knew and saw that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made for themselves loincloths. You know, they were convinced that taking matters into their own hands was going to lead to an upgrade in their lives. That God is not to be trusted. He's really not that good. And we really need to make sure that we get all that we're going to want for our lives. It's going to be an upgrade. But when their eyes were open, it was not good. In fact, trying to be like God, the very first thing they noticed is they were no longer like God. And they were ashamed. And they were filled with guilt and empty as husks and hiding. They had never feared before. They had never experienced guilt before. They, had ne- they were totally foreign to shame. They had never hidden before in their life. There wasn't need, any need to hide because God was good. You know, we're like that too, aren't we? I know I am. We often think we know best outside of God's Word and what God has said, guiding us. We often wonder whether God is really as good as we hear He is. But it doesn't turn out good for us either, does it? When we walk outside of God's incredible, loving Word that brings goodness Because He is good. And that's how He conveys it to us. God's Word is life-giving. Anything else, anything that's contrary to His Word is death-conveying. I mean, just Ten Commandments. I mean, just just to highlight a few. You know, uh, killing is death-conveying. Stealing is more like death than life. Adultery is more like death than life. It doesn't give life. Uh, talking about people behind their back, lying about them. It's, death. it's more toward death, not life. Coveting just doesn't pump life and joy into our lives, does it? I mean, that, that's just like brief. There it is, you know? But we wonder, don't we? God, with all, these, with all this Word, God is trying to restrict us is what He's trying to do. God's trying to hold us back from something. No, God's trying to give you everything. And me, everything. And we'll talk about in a moment how through Jesus that is so beautifully true. May I suggest to you that the rest of the Bible from this moment, that question, did God really say, all the way to maps (laughs) at the end. May I suggest that you could look at that whole rest of the Bible as a battle for God's Word. 
Are we going to believe that God is good? Or are we going to turn away from God? Are we going to believe the word of the Lord? Or are we going to believe some echoing version of the temptation and the word of the serpent? Um, this certainly is a question of authority. You know what I mean by that? Like, okay, is there any, any word, any truth higher than us that's in authority over us that is good for us to obey? And we obey it because it is from God. You see, this is like God is God and we're not kind of thing. And His word is, a, is authoritative and our opinions kind of are in flux all the time. So yes, this is about authority and we Americans tend to want to throw off authority. We tend to want to make our own minds up, and that's true. But this is not just a question of authority. This is a question of God's goodness. It's a question of, do you believe that God is good? Do you believe that He wants to give the good? Do you believe it? As we live into focus, this is how we're going. One of the ways we're going to live into focus. If you believe God is good and you would like to discover the wonder of that good and be have re, reinforced to you the consistency of that good and be led into that good, you know what I say to you and to me? Hey, this ministry year we're kind of starting out fresh, right? Let's handle the text, okay? I want you to touch this today. I want you to touch this today, and I want you to do this with it. And we'll get you a Bible reading plan. We'll help you out, whatever you want, whatever you want. But we're not. If we believe in God's good, that God is good, this is the way we understand. It's the good word. We are reminded in the Word how much God is for us, actually, and He loves to give what is good. In fact, Psalm 84.11, you know, is just one of the favorite verses along these lines. No good thing, right? No good thing does he withhold. Do you believe that? See, there, there's the Word of God. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly with him. God is good. I love what A.W. Pink says. Uh, he says, God, by his very nature, is inclined meaning he just leans toward, he just inclined to bestow blessedness and he takes holy pleasure in the happiness of his people. That's true. He is inclined to bestow blessedness and he takes holy pleasure in the happiness of his people. He goes on to say, our whole outlook on life might be changed if we could believe that we dwell under a friendly sky. And that the God of heaven, though exalted in power and majesty, is eager to be friends with us and to bless us. Is God good? This is not the Garden of Eden. And cancer does happen. And there are broken hearts and all these things. But God is good even in the midst of of our trials, and He can be trusted. He must be trusted, or we will turn to the making of our own good that will turn to shame and guilt and emptiness. 
You see, it's all in the Word. Let me just kind of flow with this one more time. We'll kind of get to the punchline. The Word of creation. Remember, God by His Word created everything. The Word declaring it very good. Tob, giving Tob uh, to everything pleasing, pleasant, all that to, to mankind. The, the Word of the protecting command is the blessing command. Eat of it all. Enjoy it. Love me. It's all good, as we say. Don't eat of this tree. Be protected from the bad. The word of promise, of redemption, which is where we're going to go next week, right after the fall of mankind, is just, I mean, the fall of mankind, God doesn't even take a breath before He says, I'm coming after you. And the covenants of promises made by God to fallen sinners, this is marvelous. The word of Scripture given as Moses writes the first five books of the Bible and God is beginning to give for our handling His Word. And then finally, the Word made flesh. Right? That's, that's what Brad read. In the beginning was the Word. Don't you find it interesting that Jesus is called the Word? Why? Because it's all about the Word and God's goodness and the conveying of God's goodness and the rescue will be about God's goodness and it will be congruent with His Word. It will fulfill His Word. His Son is called the Logos, the Word. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And it talks about how that, the light came into the world and it's the light of men, the light of life, and men didn't see it and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory, the glory of the, the one and only, begotten of the Father, right? God in the flesh, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth for people who can't keep God's Word. Who don't keep God's Word. And who live in a fallen world filled with heartache. And we desperately need His goodness and to touch it. Yeah, our Savior has come into this world because we didn't and we couldn't keep God's Word. He is the fulfillment of all that went before to bring goodness and tobe relationship again. Like Adam and Eve, but not in a garden. And He's opened the way and I know, I know, can I just like give testify here for a second? I know that I have God's full love through Jesus. I know that. I know that I have been ushered into His goodness because goodness Himself is mine and will always be mine. The Word incarnate has come to be with us, that's his other name, one of his other names, Emmanuel, to be in us, to give us all that is good in a relationship with him. The Word incarnate has come. This is not just propositional truth out there to be believed and obeyed. The Word of God has come in us, with us, to empower us, 
to believe the word and to walk with him. Jesus, the word, speaks comfort if we will listen. He speaks assurance and confidence to our hearts. And in this relationship, this is what he says to us. Trust in my goodness in the midst of that difficult place in which you live. Trust in my word. Don't come up with your own. Don't believe anybody else's. Live into the grace that I have given you with me. Live into the word that leads you to Tobe, to what is good. Believe my words. In Matthew 4, chapter 4, as Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness with the exact same temptations that Eve and then Adam, of course, was tempted with. And let me tell you something about Jesus. Jesus passed. And He passed on our behalf. And we no longer have a fail mark in the temptation of Satan. The, the curse is reversed. The garden, the thing that split us right out of the garden is reversed. And let me tell you what Jesus said. You remember what He said when He was tempted? He said to Satan, the very first thing He said to him, man does not live by all this stuff. I don't believe in all this no goodness of God, got to take it into your own hands stuff. Man does not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Right? Why? Because the Word, creating, establishing, promising, redeeming, made flesh, is good. And God is for us. And who can be against us? In Jesus. In a world that is death-giving, where there are devastating blowouts in our lives and in the lives of those around us, to live and to focus this year, one of the things it's got to mean is to trust in the goodness of God shown and given through the Word of God. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, would you restore to us the joy of our salvation so that you would restore to us a simple belief in what is true. Even our name for you, God, means the good. Would you say in your heart, God, I believe that you are good, even though it's counterintuitive sometimes, maybe even right now, to say so. And Lord, would you, through Jesus, through that nearness, that love, and your truth, lead me into the good. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.